Lifespring number 167. O is for Oprah. If you want to hear more stuff like this, you got to help Steve. How to do it over at lifespringmedia.com. So go over there now, right? Here it comes. I can't believe I'm talking about Oprah. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, I've sort of made it a uh, practice not to be all that involved with, uh, you know, the, the latest cultural fad. I don't talk about Lost. I don't talk about Survivor. I don't talk about, um, what is it, um, the uh, uh, Idol, the American Idol. I don't talk about those things. Every once in a while, I'll mention a movie that I've recently been to that, uh, you know, I really liked or something like that, but... You know, I don't get into talking about cultural fads too much. But this one is one that is getting so much attention that I have to. People have been asking me, Steve, what do you think about this? People sending me emails, the most dangerous woman in the world in America, you know, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? We got to say something here. And I, I put it off and I put it off and I put it off until finally I just said, okay. <laughs> I guess I'll say something about Oprah and uh, that book that she's doing with, um, what's the guy's name? Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. Well, is it all uh, what it's cracked up to be? It is number one on the iTunes store's uh, podcast list. Number one, at least in the religion category. I think it might be in the uh, just in the general category as well. So, yeah, Oprah is a religious guru of sorts. Y'all want to know what Steve has to say about it? Well, I think you can guess, but I guess I should put it out there. Make it official. Ah, get it? Official? I hadn't even planned that. Maybe O is for official. The official Oprah comment line. (laughs) Well, whatever. So, this is a show that... You know, the enemy really did not want me to get it out. As you know, it's been over a couple of weeks since I put out the last show. And today, as I sat down after doing all of my study, and I have been I have got Oprah in my head like you cannot believe. This voice. <laughs> but I so I've been been studying, 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 finally got everything put together, my notes are put together, everything I've got the clips ready, I've got lots of clips. And I get a phone call. A reporter wants to talk to me about some stuff. So we talk about that. Then I sit down. I say, okay, let's get this thing recorded. And I'm I'm using two computers right now to do the show. The the computer upon which I am recording, a little Fujitsu notebook. This thing has been a workhorse. Like, really, uh, this has been a good little computer. And my Mac Mini. I'm running out of music here. My Mac Mini, as soon as I said, okay, let's get going, it just froze on me. You don't get a blue screen of death with a with a Mac, but you get that beach ball of death, and it just flat stopped responding. So I had to hard restart that. No big deal, but you know, it just seldom does that. And so I guess I should keep the music going. So this is only a 60-second version here. So I got that restarted, and then guess what? 
the little Fujitsu notebook freezes up. So I had to restart that. Well, anyway, we're gone. It, it, so I sat down to record over an hour ago, and I'm finally now recording. But whatever. It's going. We got it, we got it going. It's all right. So how you been? <laughs> Let's get started with some music. Oh, I'm over-modulating. I hate when I do that. Sorry about that. But uh, let's get started with some music. Why is it doing that? See? That's what I said. Everything is just kind of falling apart. But uh, let's see. There's 17 seconds left of the music. Should I fade it for you? Or do we just... Let's let's just listen to the good old light spring theme. Eight seconds.
Big Stuff, Blessed Be Your Name, cover for one of the Newsboys songs, one of my favorite songs. This is a great song that the Newsboys does uh, in, in, in person. Uh, I've been to a couple of their shows, and man, they do a great show. And this is, this is a great worship song. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, well, so Life Spring is about telling the truth, right? It's about um, the message of hope, love, and good news. This is the place where you find out about truth. Steve, what is truth? Oh, such a deep thing. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But before I go into a lot of detail with Oprah, I want you to understand that the very best way to know a counterfeit when you see it is to know the truth or the real McCoy. What is the truth? Well, that truly is the question, isn't it? By what standard do we determine the truth? You have to make that distinction early on in this discussion or any discussion. Do you believe that there is an absolute truth or is truth just some sort of nebulous shifting concept? Well, you may not be surprised, but I happen to believe that truth is, no, that's not right. I said I happen to believe. To be accurate, a much more succinct way to put it would be to say that I have decided, I have reasoned, I have determined that Jesus is the source of truth. I believe what the Bible says, and that is the standard by which I measure spiritual truth to be sure. So any claim that is made regarding spiritual matters will always be measured by the Bible, at least by me. In my 53 years, I'm an old guy, I have never found the Bible to be wanting. If you have not yet made the decision to establish the Bible as your standard, I would like to suggest that you do that. If you feel like you need more time, if you think that you want to investigate more, that's completely fine. God says in his word, come, let us reason together in Isaiah 118. God gave you a mind. He gave you an intellect and he expects you to use it. It's okay to do your due diligence before making your decision to trust the Bible, to trust God. But ultimately, it does come down to faith. And that's okay, by the way. Each of us, every day, exercises faith. Whether you think you're spiritual or not, everybody exercises faith. Here's an example. When you get in your car and you turn the ignition key, you are exercising faith that when the spark ignites the fuel in the cylinders of that car engine, the car will start normally. You don't think about it. You just have faith that all will be as it should be. But let me tell you what happened to me one time just outside of my house. When I turned on the key to one of my car's ignition, uh, the car started, but that spark also ignited some fuel that had leaked onto the manifold. There was a little puddle of fuel there, and before I knew it, I had a raging fire under my hood. There is no guarantee that the same thing won't happen to you the next time you go to your car. But you're probably going to exercise faith that it won't. You may think about this story, but you'll still turn the key. You might even open your hood to see if you smell gasoline fumes. You might be sure that you have a fire extinguisher at hand. But you'll turn the key because your reason will tell you that in all likelihood, after thinking about your past history with starting cars, after checking for the smell of gas and everything else, it makes sense to make that leap of faith to turn on the car's engine. But what if someone planted a bomb? 
It could happen. But reason tells you that you're almost certainly safe turning the key, so turn it on you will. The same is true with trusting the God of the Bible. Do your investigation, but it will come down to faith, and that's okay. So why is it important to establish a standard of spiritual truth? For the same reason that it's important to have a standard of measurement. When I tell you that I caught a six-pound bass, you might think that I'm telling you a fishtail, right? After all, fishermen have been lying about the size of their fish for ages, right? But if I'm in a bass fishing tournament and I report that I caught a six-pound bass, guess what? They're going to weigh that fish with a scale that has been calibrated to an absolute standard. When that scale says six pounds, it is the same six pounds as you'll find anywhere else as long as the standard is adhered to. Six pounds is six pounds is six pounds. If you weigh a fish that is anything less than that, it will come up short. It'll be obvious for all to see. You can say your fish is six pounds. You can believe in your heart of hearts that your fish is six pounds. But if the scale, the standard, says it's five pounds, eight ounces, it doesn't matter what you say or what you believe. Your fish is not six pounds. That, my friend, is why a standard is necessary. So, using the Bible as the standard for spiritual truth, truth is truth is truth. If a claim doesn't measure up, it isn't truth, period. It doesn't matter if you say you have the truth. It doesn't matter if you believe in your heart of hearts that you have the truth. It doesn't matter if your intentions are pure. If your claims do not stand up to the standard, you do not have the truth. Well, how do you compare? How do you know what the standard is? You have to study. You have to refer back to the standard. Just like when you're weighing that fish, you have to refer to the standard. You have to familiarize yourself with what the Bible says, what truths are there, what its claims are. 2 Timothy 2.15 in the New Testament says, Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed correctly analyzing and accurately dividing or rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Study and show yourself approved. If you'll do that, when you hear false claims, you'll know it and you won't be hoodwinked into believing whatever the latest fad is. That is the best way to know what the truth is. Study the truth. That's the best way to know what falsehood is. If you know what is true, then when you hear what is false, you'll say, "Ah, that's not true. Now, concerning Oprah Winfrey, I've got to give her some props, first of all. She is quite possibly, quite possibly, maybe the most powerful woman in America. She is certainly successful when you measure success by acclaim, by influence, and by finances. She came from extremely humble beginnings. And now... Last report, I think, said that she is the only black billionaire in the world. Wow, that's success, if you want to measure it that way. You have to respect her for her achievements. But Jesus said, as reported in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, what good will it be for a man or a woman if he or she gains the entire world yet forfeits his soul? 
Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Folks, I'm telling you the truth here. I am not sure how I'm going to pay my bills this month, truly. But I would not trade places with Oprah if it meant that I would have to espouse what she is teaching right now. I've got some clips I want to play for you. And this first one is a clip of Oprah talking to the author of the book, A New Earth. The author's name, as I mentioned earlier, is Eckhart Tolle, and they're discussing this book. You know, a lot of people are still very conflicted about this uh, spirituality and their religion. And what I hear you saying, feel you saying in this book is, is that this book isn't about believing. This book is about what you come to know for yourself. Yes. Yeah, what you become to feel for yourself. Yes. And that what you're saying is that God, in the essence of all consciousness, isn't something to believe. God is. Yes. God is. And God is a feeling experience, not a believing experience. That's right. And if and if your that your religion is a believing experience, if God for you is still about a belief, then it's not truly God. No. That's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Did you hear that? Listen, listen to this again. God, in the essence of all consciousness. <laughs> so is God like uh, the Borg, a collection of experiences and feelings and consciousness? God, in the essence of all consciousness. Okay, so that's maybe one of her definitions of God. And, and did you hear this? God isn't something to believe. God is. Yes. God is. Okay, so as if he can't be both something to believe and to be God is? Listen, when God spoke to Abraham through the burning bush, and Abraham asked God who he should tell the people sent him, Abraham, with the message, God said, I am. So yes, it is true that God is. God is. God is the great I am. And Jesus, by the way, made many I am statements. We're not going to talk about those right now, but... I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, etc. He made a lot of I am statements. And Jewish people understood, by the way, that when he said of himself, I am, he was claiming to be God. But that's just a side note. It is also true that God is someone to believe, however. Oprah says, God isn't something to believe. God says he is someone to believe. Let's look at a few scriptures to back that up, shall we? Going back to the book of Psalms, chapter 78, we're going to read several verses here. They're not long verses, but stay with me and listen very closely. Psalm chapter 78, starting at verse 8. He did miracles in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand firm like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire at night. He split the rocks in the desert and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out, and streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? 
When the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath rose against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and led forth the south wind by his power. He rained meat down on them like dust, flying birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they had more than enough, for he had given them what they craved. But before they turned from the food they craved, even while it was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. Ooh, now there's a God we don't often hear about, isn't it? What a vengeful God. What a terrible God. Listen, listen, hear this. These verses are about belief. They tell us how after God provided deliverance to his people from the Egyptians, when they had been slaves for hundreds of years, he gave them an escape route. Miraculously, through the middle of the Red Sea, he acted as a heavenly GPS unit, guiding them both day and night, miraculously. He fed them miraculously in the desert, and on and on the list goes. He did this because he loved them, because he had given his word, because he made the decision to be their provider. All he asked for in return was their belief, their love. But in spite of everything, they did not believe. Now, it is incredibly important. No, it's vital for you to understand that these verses from Psalm 78 are just a snapshot in time. There were many times before and many times after this that the Lord became angry at the people's unbelief. You say, see, God is a vengeful, terrible, horrible God. He's mad all the time. But you're missing the point. You are missing the point. Each time God gets angry, there has been a time previous to that where God has said, because I love you, I will do thus and such for you. I will bless you. I will supply your every need. You will have peace and happiness. All you need to do is believe in me and do as I say. You say, but why should I have to do as he says? Why should I follow God's rules or anybody else's? Well, think of this. A father loves his child. He provides for every need. He loves him. He feeds him. He clothes him. He provides shelter. And he says, enjoy. Live here. Play here. Enjoy. Just don't go out in the street. Well, for a while, the child is happy to play. But then he sees something on the other side of the street, and he decides to investigate. So he heads for the street. The father heads him off and says, I told you not to go in the street. But the child keeps going back. Time after time, he turns around and heads the other way. He heads to the street. And each time, the father gets a little bit more stern until finally he has to give that two-year-old a swat on that padded little area provided by God just for such times as this. How mean, you say. The child is only curious. Well, yes, but if he goes across the street, 
he's going to get hit by a car. The loving father does not want that to happen, so he has to train the child not to go into the street. You don't sit down with a two-year-old to discuss the ramifications of his actions. He's not capable of understanding it, this level of development that he's at right now. He is given rules to follow for his own good, and he's told, obey the rules, do what I say. Well, that is why God gives us rules, for our benefit, like it or not, understand it or not, too proud to admit it or not. We do not always have the ability to fathom the ramifications of our actions, so God, as a loving Heavenly Father, set up rules for our behavior. Whether we want to follow them or not, or whether we want to believe them or not, it is for our good and because of His love. Now, Back to this matter of God's anger at disbelief. Yes, there are many times that we see his anger, but there are many, 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 many more times where God has said, Children, remember what I told you. Don't do these things. Remember. Turn back to me. Don't do that. I'm warning you. Listen to me. Remember when I delivered you, how I provided for you. Why are you turning away? Come back. Stop. I'm going to have to stop you if you don't stop yourselves. If you will return now, you'll be much happier. You're headed for trouble. Return now and all will be forgiven. And then, after many warnings, and you can read it for yourself in the Old Testament, when they refuse to turn back to him, then his judgment falls. And then Israel, like a two-year-old who has received the swat on the behind, comes back crying and says, I'm sorry, we're sorry, we repent, I won't do this again, just like the, the, the little baby does. And then the father wipes the tears away, picks up the child, hugs him, and all is well. Until the next time. And over and over again, that's what happened in the Old Testament with Israel and with God. Last year, when I read through the entire Bible, It just came crashing down on me as I was reading the whole thing. How many times the people, the children of Israel did this over and over and over and over and over again. And more than that, God said, stop, return to me and I will forgive you. I will restore your nation to me. Yes, there's the the, the wrath of God, but it is so overshadowed by the love of God. Read it for yourself if you don't believe me, or better yet, subscribe to the LifeSpring Family Bible and you can hear me read it to you. So let's listen to this again. God isn't something to believe. God is. Yes. God is. God is someone to believe. Let's listen to this. And God is a feeling experience, not a believing experience. All right. Let's go back to the child and father again. The child is headed for the street again. He looks back at daddy, who has said, don't go out on the street. The child is smiling and laughing and waving. Bye, daddy. I'm having so much fun playing. I love you. The child is feeling great as he's headed toward the street. He's feeling wonderful. But that does not change the fact that when he runs out in front of a car, he's going to be killed. Feeling has nothing to do with it. 
and if and if your that your religion is a believing experience if god for you is still about a belief then it's not truly god no that's what you're saying yes okay. wow then it's not truly god sounds a lot like another conversation satan said to eve way back in the book of genesis did god really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden The woman said to the serpent, and I'm reading now, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, did you notice that? Listen, Satan starts with a perversion of what God said. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That was a perversion. That's not what God said. And Eve told him as much. She said correctly that God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. But listen, she adds in here now her own statement saying that God also said, you must not touch it. God did not say that. She added to it. She perverted it herself. And Satan knew that God didn't say that. And Eve knew that God didn't say that. But now that they had their little lie fest going, and Eve was being sucked into Satan's trap, he said, you will not surely die. In essence, calling God a liar and saying, come on over to my side of the street. Come on. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that is the lie. You will be like God. And won't that just feel great? Don't believe. Feel. That, my friends, is a very, very old lie. Listen now again. And if, and if, you're, if that your religion is a believing experience, if God for you is still about a belief, then it's not truly God. No. That's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That is a very old lie. Let's listen to Oprah now from her TV show. One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a then human being and, and many ways, no, but many paths to what you call God. That and her crazy. path might be something else, and when she gets there, she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity, brings her. To, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be on that, I mean, it, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides... I there couldn't possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many 
enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are like ferocious wolves. And then Acts 4, 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There couldn't possibly be just one way. There can't possibly be one way. Well, the Bible refutes that, doesn't it? But so can reason. Listen, I have a home. It's my property. (laughs) Mine and the bank's. The only people who come into my house are people that I invite. Simple as that. If you try to come in by breaking in, you're going to pay the price. If I don't know you, you are not coming in. There has to be some kind of relationship before I invite you in. Now, I may let you in if someone vouches for you. Let's say you're a friend of one of my sons. My son says, Dad, this is Bob. He's a friend of mine, and he's going to come in and hang out for a while. Well, good deal. You're in. Come on. Doesn't God at least have the right to do the same thing for his home? Why should he have people in there who have never had any relationship whatsoever with him? Why should he let total strangers in, or people who have mocked and scoffed and rejected him their entire lives? Makes no sense, right? But Steve, what if they've been a good Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim? They've got a relationship with God. Sorry, it doesn't count. You see, it does matter which God you're following. If you are trying to place a phone call to my house, and if you miss by only one digit, that call could well get a house on the other side of town. Being almost right is still the wrong number. And if you don't know where I live and you go to 411.com and search for Steve Webb, guess what? You'll find over 300 results. You can say, I know Steve Webb, but unless it's the right Steve Webb, you get the wrong Steve Webb. You can call information, say, hey, I want to talk to Steve Webb. She might say, well, you know what? I know a Steve Webb. He's a nice guy. Let me give you his number. If it's not the one that's talking to you right now, it's the wrong Steve Webb. If you want to call me or if you want to see me, you have to follow the right instructions. You have to dial the exact correct number. You have to come to the exact right house. If you go to my neighbors, trust me, you're not going to find me there. You see, there is just one way, and it makes sense that there would be only one way. Let's listen to something else here. Let's listen to more of that statement. Her loving and her kindness and her generosity, brings her. if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. It does matter. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. She may be nice. She may be the nicest person you've ever met, but her righteous acts, according to the Bible, are like filthy rags. A person's goodness is never and can never be enough to come into God's presence. God requires, this is tough, perfection, sinlessness. And since none of us are without sin, we are toast without Jesus. What do you mean none of us are without sin? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
So we're toast without Jesus. Why is Jesus necessary? Because he came to take the punishment for our sins so that he could vouch for us when we come to God's door knocking to get in. He says, hey, it's okay, Father. This is my friend. I know him. God says, come on in. You want proof? Matthew twenty twenty eight says, just as the Son of Man, which is a way of referring to Jesus, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In God's eyes, once Jesus vouches for you, your account is deposited with God's righteousness. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That's why Jesus came. John 12.27, this is Jesus praying on the night before he was betrayed, on the night before he was crucified. He prayed to God and he said, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Jesus knew why he was here. He came to be able to bring you to the Father, to die for your sins and for mine. Jesus came to free us from the consequences of our sins, and he paid a huge price to do it. It was a gift that he offers to me and to you, and all we need to do is to accept that gift. Well, there has to be more you say. That's that's too easy. Listen once more to the words of Jesus in John 3:17 and 18. He said, "For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son." Whoever believes, that's it. Whoever believes. Listen, I could go on and on. I have got so many clips of this kind of stuff from Oprah, but I hope this gives you enough to know that what she is teaching is not truth. It is false, and it is not new. It is not a new worth. It is as old as the oldest lie. You can be as God. Come on. God did not say, come on, don't listen to her. These people try to get you to see a new understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. They want you to go with your feelings. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? You see, you cannot trust your feelings. Feelings, as you well know, are fleeting. If you have any kind of experience in life at all, you know that your feelings are fleeting. Think about uh, the last gift that you wanted for Christmas. You said, oh, man, if I just had that, I'd be happy. You open the thing and you say, oh, how cool I got it. And then the next day it's like, now what else can I get? Feelings are fleeting. They lie. If you live your life based on your feelings, you are in for a very, very rough ride. If you trust your eternity on your feelings, you are in for a very sad and a very lonely future with no hope and know God. Pray for Oprah. Pray for Eckhart Tolle. Pray for those who are being deceived by this book and by their conversations that they're having on the web and on the podcast. 
First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pray, pray for these people. God can save them as well. All they have to do is turn to Jesus. That's it. If you've got more questions, or if you'd like to comment on anything that I've said, write to me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Better yet, call me toll-free at 877-433-9091 and leave a voice comment for me.
God is more than just a consciousness. God is more than this nebulous concept. God is more than anything you can imagine, but he is a personal God. He is our magnificent king. He is our father. He is our Abba, which means daddy. He is personal. He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. He knows you. He understands you. He lives for you. He died for you. And he lives again. Magnificent King. Hallelujah. This is a brand new song just uploaded today to the Podsafe Music Network. This is Magnificent King with Sarah Bauer. Perfect timing, Sarah. Perfect timing. God is more than we can ever imagine without a doubt. But he is a personal God. And he loves you. He's crazy about you. Don't fall for the lies. I came across this on a blog just a couple of days ago. This is Helen Ann's blog, and she said, I once tried to figure out what single thing God made me to do, but I never could focus on just one thing. I like to do, and I am interested in lots of things. I finally decided that God made me sort of like a Swiss Army knife. Now I just hang out with him. He can decide what he wants to do with me, when he wants to do it, and hopefully I'm not too rusty or stubborn to work. Uh, if you want to find that blog, that's at gracewalking.blogspot.com. Of course, links to all the music will be on the show notes page at lightspringmedia.com. Go on by there if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out. Uh, if you haven't uh, checked out the other shows on the Lightspring family, now would be a good time to do that. If you want to write to me, again, the email address is steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Don't forget that voice comment line, toll free, 877-433-9091. Thank you so much for being patient with me and getting this show out. We'll have another great show next time around. Until then, may God bless you richly. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Who am I? I'm Steve Webb, and I'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this program, will you consider helping to support LifeSpring Media? Details are at LifeSpringMedia.com. Thank you.